It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. Today my guest is Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. You've got the, the best name for sales of anybody I know. Yeah. And, well, I owe that to my parents. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, can't choose your parents. But in your case, you did a good job of that. So Mark is sales author, speaker, consultant, uh, <clears throat> one of the best guys, one of my favorite guys uh, in this whole business. And yeah, rather than me give the audience all the, the gory detail about your background, why don't you introduce yourself to the, the audience, You know what you do, who you do it to. Well, who do I do it to? Well, that's good. Well, hey, I've been doing this for about 16 years. 16 years ago, I left a great job in corporate America and uh, began doing consulting, speaking uh, along the way, authored a couple books and travel about 200, 250 days a year around the world, speaking to uh, groups, sales associations, uh, trade associations, and a lot of individual companies doing a lot of sales meetings and also training. Do a little bit of consulting. But as I kind of like to say, uh, the consulting, I really have to like the client and I really have to like the project. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there aren't too many. Out- no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, typical, typical client. I primarily work in, in the B2B arena. Right. And primarily it would be the Fortune uh, 2000 and above. Okay. Uh, you know, that sweet spot's probably that uh, 250 million to 10 billion. Although I have a great honor of having two of the largest global corporations as clients. So. Excellent. Excellent. Very good job. So you can find Mark at thesaleshunter.com and make sure you check that out uh, after the show. (laughs) And uh, so let's start start back at the beginning. How'd you get your start in sales? Oh man, the scary version. The scary version is I got three speeding tickets in the course of six months when I was in college. And and that seriously is absolutely, it, it is absolutely funny. I got three speeding tickets last semester of college. And as a result, I couldn't afford car insurance after getting out of college and I wanted to go into marketing I wanted to go into advertising mm-hmm. but, because, but because I couldn't afford car insurance I had to get a job that supplied me with a company car <laughs> well that says it's either a bread truck driver taxi right. cab driver or a salesperson right and uh, you know back in those days they didn't check your driving record so I got a sales job <laughs> so that's that that is that is how I wound up in sales <laughs> And, it, and it's worked out. And I thank those those three Seattle police officers for giving me each one of those tickets because the career has worked out well. And who are you selling for? I first got a job really in the consumer packaged goods arena. Uh, I was originally selling meat and then eventually uh, wound up meat. with for whom? meat. Meat. It was for a, a, a regional meat company in Seattle. And I don't even know if they're in business. And then uh, from there, flipped over to Pillsbury, and then from there went to Kraft. And um, so, were you, 12, were you doing yeah. in-store sales? In-store, yes, in-store. And um, so, what would you do? What was your? Well, our, our whole thing was really to get them to be able to sell. As we used to say, stack it high and sell it cheap, or stack it high and let it fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was really the it was the old account management type of approach of really getting that retailer, getting the account, whether it be Walmart, I've had the privilege of spending more than, oh man, more than enough days in Bentonville, Arkansas with 
Walmart and all of the various retailers around the country. Um, so really got to see sales from that account management, that that really that um, gorilla side. Mm-hmm. And um, but then along the way did some stints in marketing. Um, had really some good fortune to be. Um, marketing uh, roles at what at that time was General Foods, uh, Jell-O, and, and uh, some other great brands. So really had fantastic array of experiences. Well, it sounds like it. So why the consulting business? Well, you know, what was funny was I just plain got tired of course. You know what? I had the best job in the world. I love my job, but I really wasn't being challenged enough. And... Um, so I, I literally just uh, walked out of corporate America and um, began doing this. And I said, well, I'll do it for a year or two. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I'll go get a job. And like I said, that was 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I guess something must be going right. So, yeah. So I mean, and I'm, I'm not going to get a real job now. <laughs> yeah, it's like me. I'm 15 years in the this, yeah. this field. So, yeah. yeah, you own your own business and you're a salesperson. You're mm-hmm. selling your services. So you're really... Yeah, even though you sell the Fortune 2000, the fact is that that you are the small business. Oh, uh, yes. oh yeah. So, you know, from a sales perspective, what sort of keeps you awake at night? Well, I, I think this. How do you stay relevant? How you know? I, I think the challenge, salespeople, it's irregardless what you sell. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you bring to your customers information and insights they can't find on the internet? If you stop and ask your, you know, think about that. That's really what what our challenge is. If we can't bring to our customers information and insights they can't find on the internet, then we have no 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 value. Mm-hmm. No uh, I do a lot of work. Surprise. Uh, the the flip side. I do a lot of work with startups. In fact, tomorrow I'm I'm with several different startups, and we're really laying out what is that what is that go to market strategy for what we what they say is a great and I say it's a feature but you know customers don't buy features customers don't even want benefits they want outcomes how do we take this this feature this this technological feature that that you know great tech tech breakthrough and I can't go any further than that mm-hmm. uh, um, and turn it into really it's the outcome that the customer is looking for and the outcome the entrepreneur is looking for right exactly and and, and the two had better match I mean it's it's you know, you look at you look at Airbnb, you look at Uber, you look at all of these various things. That what have they what have they done? They've created, they've taken common problems, put a different spin on it, and said, "How do I deliver a different outcome?" And if you think about it, it's all in the outcome. It's the outcome that the customer gets. I'm sure you you use Uber. I use Uber, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it changes the outcome dramatically of the car service, the taxi cab. So let's dig down into two points. One is you talked about relevance, right? Yes. So yes. How do you, you know, develop this relevance? Because you know, it's it's something that that you're not just going to find. I mean, you have to work hard to develop relevance. So how do you identify, you know, what you need to be relevant in? And really talking for a salesperson, because you said you need to be able to show the customer something or demonstrate something of value to the customer that they can't find on the internet. Yeah. Right. Because well, I, you know, I always yeah. I always, always harken back to a book I read by Neil Rackham about rethinking the modern sales force or you know, he made the point very distinctly is, you know, if you can't add value, if the channel, you as a salesperson are a channel, a sales channel, if the channel doesn't add any value to the customer, then they're not going to use it, right? It's just going to be a price play at that point. That is without a doubt. And price is not a sustainable competitive advantage. Uh, There's two things we have to keep in mind. The customer's believability is only going to be equal 
to the credibility that you've established. So there comes an element where you have to establish credibility with the customer mm-hmm. before they will believe before they will believe you. Now, that's where some of the internet does come into play. I mean, the internet, I don't care who you are, the internet is really the the validator. You know, it's it's kind of the entry point because just as people are listening to this by way of an internet connection, what are they doing? They're 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 increasing their level of credibility in you, Andy Paul, and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what that does is then that changes the value proposition. Now, how come back to your original question? It really comes down to value and time, and the two very much interlock. The value increases when the time frame changes, either shorter or longer. It's really up to the customer to decide. So what we've got to do is, in order to be relevant, how do we fit into that customer's timeline, whether it be short or whether it be long? The, the short example, if I'm looking for a place to go for dinner, Open Table is a great app that I might use, okay? Because mm-hmm. I, want to be, I, want to, I, want to, I want to go out to dinner right now. Conversely, uh, if I'm a financial planner, it's a 30-year horizon. You know, or twenty year, or whenever retirement is, or whatever my my plan is. You see, so you know, I, I have to understand what is the timeline that the customer is looking for, and from that, I can begin to build value. Too many people try to build value before they before they know the timeline, and I think we got to flip that around because I think it, it it changes the questions, it changes the dynamics, it changes the relationship dramatically. Well, relevance, just by its very nature, though, too, it, it really speaks to improving or enhancing, increasing, whatever you know, word we want to put for that modifier is, is your knowledge in some dimension or another, right? I mean, as a salesperson, this is you know, a passion of mine is you know, salespeople need to constantly be learning. You know, what, how much time are you investing every day to learn something new, whether it's about the craft of selling or your customer's business and the problems they have and the, or the solutions you're selling? I mean, ultimately, it sort of comes down to learning, right? Oh, yeah. You, you hit on something and, and something I, w- whenever I'm in front of a group, I, I always challenge them. I say, you know, you need to ask yourself two questions every day. What did I learn today and how am I going to use it tomorrow? And if you think about that as a salesperson, we have to continuously be asking ourselves, what did I learn today? And then, and then knowledge is, who cares about knowledge unless you use it? So then how am I going to use it tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, boy, the, the sales profession is changing the the old era of the capability. Well, let me tell you what we can do for you. Oh, big deal, man! The capabilities presentation that died long ago, uh, and and PowerPoint died a long time ago. It just doesn't have a place in the sales process, or for your or for our Canadian friends, the sales process. <laughs> yeah, hopefully my Canadian listeners will forgive you for saying that. Um... Why? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, we uh, we won't get into the Women's World Cup, but that's going on up in Canada. I love it. So anyway. I do too. I've, I've yeah. got the games DVR'd. I'm a big soccer fan. So, right. um, yeah, I, mean, I saw a talk, oh gosh, I guess it was just about a year ago, where my wife was receiving an award and there was another gentleman receiving an award for sort of academic excellence. And he started a speech by saying, you know, I work in a field where I'm, you know, work with leading science, cutting-edge science, and I learned some fascinating things every day. And this is, but, you know, more importantly, I learned the same old things every day, right? He's, he's, he's going through and he's saying, you know, 
how you interact with, in his case, he's a physician, you know, how I interact with my patients. I just can't take it for granted. I learn something new every day about how I should interact and the questions I should ask and and so on. And I think that's just so important for sales is that you get stuck in a runt and you think you know what you're doing and you're just going to keep on doing what you're doing. And then as you said, if you don't keep learning, you lose relevance. You do. And you know what? The thing it really drove home to me about a year ago, I was watching watching an interview and it was Bill Gates, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Now, we've all heard of Warren and uh, Bill. Charlie Munger is Warren's sidekick, mm-hmm. and Charlie is 91, 92 years of age or something like that. I mean, he's old, and the reporter asked the three of them what book they were currently reading, and Charlie Munger said that he was reading a book on physics, and I go, wow, I'm blown away. To, here's a guy, and, and he said he really, because he really didn't understand physics at the level that he really should. And I go, wait a minute, if, if this guy is 90 plus years of age and is going to take the time to be aggressive about reading a book on physics and learning, isn't that an indictment on the lack of knowledge we take in? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not even anywhere close to 90. Um, oh, I thought you were. Hey, back off. And, I, <laughs> and I, I'm embarrassed by that. I mean, so to me, that was that was a wake up call for me. Yeah. It says, wow, we got to spend a lot more time learning, a lot more time learning. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I mean there's really two benefits, right? One is obviously you're going to improve your effectiveness at work and your ability to you know, succeed in your profession. But two, it keeps you young, keeps you relevant, right? I mean, I, I, my yeah. wife's uh, father passed away a couple of years ago, but up until the time he passed away, Sort of like Charlie Munger. I mean, his reading list was intimidating to me. I mean, it was that's cool. That's neat. Economics, politics, you know, you name it. And yeah, it kept him agile mentally. It kept him physically fit. Because so many salespeople just want to mail it in. You know, they 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 just want to mail it in. You know, they just you know they they begin to check out. And as a result, then they don't realize when the sales profession has left them. And I'm not talking, and I'm not talking here exclusively about the older person because I see a lot of 24 and 25 year old, uh, you know, people who you know they think, oh well, hey, I've been I've been selling now for for 12 quarters. I know everything there is to know about selling. And it's like, man, boy, I, you know, crank up the short bus right now. Yeah, We're in trouble. Well, you got to learn every day. I mean, I, I, you do. Man, I've been in it for longer than I care to admit, and I still learn something every day. That's why I'm yeah. doing these podcasts, and it's not just to provide knowledge to the people who are listening, but it teaches me something as well. Well, I think about every time I'm on the phone with you. You know, you, you and I. I mean, we don't talk ne- nearly as often as we should, but every time we do, I always hang up the phone. I go, "Dang, Andy challenged me on this, or he challenged <laughs> me on that." And I go, "Yeah, but that's what it's all about. That's what it's it all about. I love it. I love it." All right, well, we're going we're gonna to take a sh- break. But before we do, I'm going to give you a question to think about. And when we come back, you're going to answer the question. So you're a new manager being hired into a company that's got a sales problem. And you need to make an impact as quickly as possible. So what are the two things you would do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? So think about that and join me after the break. This is Andy Paul with Mark Hunter, the Sales Hunter. And we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. 
Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. You can catch Mark online at thesaleshunter.com. Make sure you check out his website, lots of great blogs and videos and so on to help you in your sales profession. So, before the break, ask your question. Set a hypothetical. Your manager being brought into a company, make a difference with the sales team that's not been performing up to snuff. What two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? First two things I would do is, is understand that my job is to lead the people and the salespeople will manage the accounts. It is very easy for that new sales manager to come in and suddenly take control of, of the accounts. And that is a huge mistake. Oh, sure, you may be able to grab that short sale, that quick sale. But you know what you're going to do? You're going to undermine your sales team right from the start. So you want to come in, first of all, and I'm going to sit down with each one of my salespeople and say, okay, where are your biggest opportunities? What I'm going to do is that's going to be challenge number one. What are your biggest opportunities? And then it's going to be very simple. What are we going to do to help close those opportunities? And I'm going to focus like a laser, working with that person, not replacing that person, but working with that person to help them close the the short end. I mean short end, but the the opportunities that we can grab right now. Mm -hmm. But always keeping in mind, my job is to lead the people, and the people will manage the customers. It's a good answer. I like it. So you wrote a great book that I really enjoyed called High Profit Selling. And you write and talk about this subject extensively. That's why you're on the plane all the time. So what's the methodology or process behind high profit selling? Well, the methodology is really that we discount our price far too quickly, far too far too readily. And we do it because, A, we haven't laid out the value to the customer. And, B, we may simply have the wrong customers. You know, if I prospect with the wrong customers, they, there may be no ability for me to close that sale. Mm -hmm. So what I got to do is I got to look at my sales process all the way back to the beginning. And one of the mistakes that people make is they don't realize that the number one prospecting tool they have is their own time. It is really their own time. And I challenge salespeople whenever I'm doing a training session, whenever I'm speaking, you know, in front of a group, mm -hmm. I, I always challenge them, your objective when it comes to prospecting is to spend your time with fewer people. And I always like, whoa, yeah, yeah. But spend more time with fewer people. Because mm -hmm. what happens too many times is we don't have prospects in our pipeline. We have suspects. So what I want to do is I want to validate, I want to qualify the prospect very early on. If they don't qualify as a prospect, they're a suspect. And they move right back over to marketing. So what I want to do is I want to focus my time on fewer people. Now, my whole objective, is to be able to close the sale without discounting the price. And there was an expression, there was a, and, and I can't take credit for it, but it was a very- but go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm not gonna take credit for it, but I, unfortunately I can't give you the person's name who does deserve credit for it. But he made the comment, he said, sometimes the most profitable sales you'll ever make are the ones you don't get. Mm -hmm. Because too many times what happens is we wind up discounting our price to get that short sale, to get that quick sale, and we wind up destroying all value. So my whole premise, my whole belief is, how do we create, how do we create value that allows us to sell at full price? And what that means is you gotta believe in yourself. So in the book I talk about, how do we create a level of confidence in ourselves? Because what I say is that I have to create continuity 
and competence in order to create confidence. C plus C equals C. Mm -hmm. When I create confidence, well, confidence goes both ways. I'm having confidence with the customer and the customer is having confidence with me. It is amazing how then I can then move to a level of really putting an opportunity on the table. You know, the, the customer, and we've all been there. We've all had those customers who call you up and say, hey, just give me a price. Just give me a price. And I go, you know what? I don't want to deal with the economic. If, 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 I, if I can't create a level of, now I, I, I want to create the fast sale. And you're, you're a champion. You, you are a master of really extolling that whole concept. And I love it. I want to create that fast sale, but I got to create it with a level of confidence because otherwise it's an economic sale. And that's not going to last. That's not going to stick. So the whole book is built around how do I, from from square one, first step, create a and put in place a better process that's going to allow me to sell at full price without discounting. And so the first step in that is targeting the right prospects. You talk about right, right, exactly, exactly. Just because just because they'll talk to you doesn't make them a valid prospect. Heartbeat is not the determination of a prospect. Right. Doesn't make them a. They could be a valid prospect, but not a one that they you should could. qualify. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with you on the the fewer prospects. You know, I, my answer to the question when salespeople ask me how many prospects do I need, I say, you know, you should need just the number you need to make quota, not one more. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you're wasting your time with a bunch of suspects that. Yeah. The odds of odds of them giving an order are fairly low. Yeah. Hey, can I steal that? No, no, it's okay. No. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, you're stealing. You're stealing that other guy's stuff. Go ahead. And start with mine. That's fine. You know what? You know what? I, I, uh, the gentleman who I stole it from is is. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a framework. He is one of the wealthiest Canadians, and um, owner of a major, major, major corporation in Canada. Okay. But he lives a very quiet life, and he just prefers to keep it that way. And he and I have got a wonderful relationship, and we just keep it that way. Oh, perfect. So when it comes to discounting, I've got my own theory about this. So when it comes to discounting, who's more at fault, salespeople or managers? Oh, managers. I think uh, managers are. I agree. Thank you. Uh, wow, we agreed on something. Yeah, no, uh, the reason being is because they don't, they don't f support their salespeople. Uh, hey, I can remember when I was a salesperson, I, I was much, I would get in trouble a lot less coming back to the office and saying I sold something at a discount rather than if I came back and say I didn't sell any, anything at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, managers uh, almost roll over and play dead more than salespeople. Yeah, I have a, I have a theory of, of discounting that's tied to what I call a theory of surplus. So my theory is that managers have either a surplus of inventory that they need to sell, or they have a surplus of salespeople who aren't on quota that they need to change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sur and it's surplus that drives discounting by managers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're trying to cure it. Because yeah. remember, a discount's being given only because enough value has not been created. Yeah. So you know when I hear salespeople say, "Well, if we just lower our price, I could sell a lot more," I go, "No, you stupid idiot! <laughs> You're not creating enough value with your customers." Period. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I see. I see. Man, especially at quarter end. Oh man, I see managers roll over and play dead. Oh man, it's scary. It's creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we, I think we all, at some point or another in our careers, worked for a manager who was on a bonus plan that was tied to you know deliveries within a quarter or bookings within a quarter, and and suddenly yeah, there was a tremendous amount of flexibility. But 
you know, it's like when people say, you know, I can never unsee that thing I just saw. It's like, oh, you can never undiscount a discount. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Un, undiscount a discount. I like that. Yeah, because that, that is profit lost forever. Yeah. And and as soon as you discount once, you have changed the price value relationship forever. Don't And these people say, well, I'm just going to discount this first one. We'll make it up on volume later on. Oh, garbage. Oh, man. Yeah. How many times have I heard that one? It makes me sick. It makes me well, cute. Lots of companies have gone out of business on that theory. Yep. All right. So I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions. You can give me some rapid fire answers or you can expound if you wish. But what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Most powerful sales tool is the art of being able to listen and ask short questions. Who? Short Why? questions. How? Short okay. questions. Short questions get you long answers. Okay. Why? How? Tell me more. Give me another example. Short questions, long answers. Love it. I like that. That's sort of like Mark Twain who said, I was going to sit down and write you a short letter, but I didn't have time. So I wrote you a long one instead. Oh, I like that. Boy, you are Mr. Smart. Man, man wow. That's I'm impressed. That's how I got where I am today. So what's your, who's your sales role model? Maybe who was it in the past and who is it today? Who is my sales role model? Good question. Uh, I, I would have to say it's probably it's probably Warren Buffett. Um, he lives right down the street from me. I happen I happen to happen to live here in Omaha, and he lives here in Omaha. But mm -hmm. the town's so small that everyone lives down the street from Warren. That's a bad joke. But no, I I really think Warren as as a salesperson because if you think about it, all of the transactions he's able to get, what are they built off of? Confidence based off his integrity. And if you think about that, that's enabled him to really put together the deals and the transactions he is he has he has been able to. A, a person from the past, Zig Ziglar. I really, you know, Zig Ziglar passed away almost two years ago now, but have a really a strong respect for his ability of really teaching us how to be confident, right, and believe in ourselves. Yeah, and he's, his books are still on the top seller oh, yeah. top seller yeah. list uh, for sales books. Yeah. So, so what's the one book that every salesperson should read? High profit selling. Okay, what's another one? <laughs> what's another one? I mean, come on, I got, I got to sell myself. You know what? It, 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 it is a moving target. I mean, the books you've got out there. It first of all, it, there's no one book that's going to teach you everything. Right. You know, that's like saying I'm going to live on peas the rest of my life. Yeah, you may like peas, and you may like peas a lot, but boy, after two days of peas, you'll be sick of them. It's not one book. It's really, it's a hundred books. You can't read enough. Where should they start besides yours? Where should they start? I would say your books. I, I like Mike Weinberg's book, mm -hmm. New, New, Sale, New Sales Simplified. Right. G Jill Conrad's original book, Selling to Big Companies, is still an excellent book. Yes. Neil Rackham's book is out there. Um, boy, it just, it's, that's a hard... Um, okay. Well, those are good answers. Yeah. yeah. People can start there. Yeah. What's the first sales activity you do every day? What's the first set? You know what? I'm embarrassed to say, but I check email. Okay. Um, and you know, some people say you shouldn't, but no, I check email because I want to know what's what what has happened. Um, other than that, you know what? Today, tomorrow begins today. I I I've always planned my day out. Mm -hmm. Period. The day before. So I always plan it out, so I know what are my goals, what are my objectives. But you do that the day before, though. I do that the day before, and okay. and 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 at the end of each week, or sometime. Over the weekend, I always take 15 minutes and do a little bit of kind of reflection. What was the success from the previous week? What are my big What are my big outcomes I'm looking for next week? Uh, but you've got to be strategic in how you allocate your time because it's the most critical, valuable. It's the only limited resource you have is time. 
Money is unlimited. Everything right. else is unlimited. Time is the only limited resource. So name one tool you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without. Uh, one tool that I use is Evernote. I use Evernote. For me, that is just my Bible in terms mm -hmm. of keeping track of everything. But really, conversely off that, it's really delegating. I, I've got a couple people who, who I'm fortunate enough fortunate enough to have work for me and I delegate as much as I possibly can. Okay. That's good. But Evernote's a great tool. I use it extensively for just about everything as, mm -hmm. as you do. Favorite social media tool. Favorite social media tool. I, I really would have to say it's LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you know, a lot, you know, Twitter's getting the big buzz and yeah, I'm on, I'm on Hootsuite. I, I use Hootsuite as my means to get, get into Twitter, but LinkedIn to me is really the real strong um, authoritative expert. Um, so that's the one that I probably um, probably rely on the most. Okay. What's the one thing a new a new or inexperienced salesperson should focus on most to improve? Their ability to learn every day and listen. There's a two objectives that I always say. With every person you meet, you want to be able to earn the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to meet with them again. And so, along the way, so yeah. say that again more slowly so people remember sure, that. Sure, sure. With every person I meet, I want to earn the right, the privilege, the honor, and respect to be able to meet with that person again. And if you really think about that, that changes your whole outlook on everything. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to impact and influence people. And at the same time, I want to surround myself with people who will impact and influence me. You know, Jim Rohn made the comment, you know, you become who you associate. You know, the best way to become a millionaire is to hang out with five other millionaires. And it really is true. Mm -hmm. Who you allow yourself to associate with is who you become. Right. The books, the books you read is who you become. You know, again, this is why I say you, you can't just read one book. It's, it's books, hundreds of books. Um, but it really is more than almost any other profession, your personal outlook, your personal commitment to yourself is going to drive your results than almost in any other profession. What do you do to keep fit and healthy? I, I run. I, I, I try to run. Uh, I don't run as much as I, I should. I probably run about four days a week and I run all three, three to five miles a day. And uh, my daughter signed me up for the Chicago Marathon for this fall. I've never, I've never run a marathon, and it's always been one of those things I got to do. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm committed. <laughs> oh, you're committed, yeah. Well, I've, I've drawn the line at half marathons at this point, but uh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're fun events to do. I've got yeah, one. see, I mean, I, I've done a lot of half marathons, you know, and but I've never done the full marathon. So I guess that's maybe one of the things on my bucket list. So excellent. You have to let me know how that goes. Uh, yeah, if you don't hear from me, oh. <laughs> I'll check. I'll check the obituaries. Yeah. All right. Last question for you: What do you consider your greatest success outside of work? Outside of work, my family. Uh, you know what? I I I have been blessed. I've a uh, wonderful wife. Got uh, two kids, and um, you know what? And I got one grandkid. Yeah, I'm old. Um, nah, you're young. 
Yeah, that's why I see the Chicago marathons. You know, you know, if I get old enough, then I'll be able to win my class as a rookie because I'll be the only one. Well, in that's class. that's what I'm doing with yeah. with this uh, half marathon I'm running in September. Yeah. I've, Ooh, there you go. Yeah. I've strategized what what yeah. time I need to run to finish in the top five in my age group. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I'm in uh, sale. I'm in sales. I compete on everything. That's right. You know what? I tell you what. Isn't that the case? I think salespeople do compete. My wife. Yeah, my it drives my wife nuts. Oh yeah, mine too. And we're out. We've become big bike riders in the last uh, mm-hmm. two years, two or three years, and yeah, we're out riding together, and and some guys go by us, you know, riding faster than us, and she'll look at me and she'll go, "Go ahead, <laughs> go get them." <laughs> oh, like, no, no, I, I want to ride with you. I will go out running, and it, and it's kind of funny, but you know, now I'm at the point where there are people that pass me, and I go, "Oh," and it really, it's just. It really, it really rubs me the wrong way. It just, ah. All right. Well, you have last recommendation for you and for the audience, anybody listening that uh, is approaching this age, there's a great book out called Fast After 50. And you should pick it up and read it. It talks about how to train for speed and maintain your intensity when you're uh, getting old. Older, not old. So make sure you write that down. So anyway, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest has been Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. Be sure to check out Mark online at thesaleshunter.com. Recommend you subscribe to his newsletter, watch his videos, good stuff every day. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you amp up your sales. And so until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.